Well, friends, last week we kicked off our summer sermon series called The Seven I Am Statements of Jesus. And those are all found in the Gospel of John from chapters 6 through 15. And we started that series last week. We're going to pick up with it again today. I've asked one of our elders, Brandon Bailey, uh, if you'll come on up, my friend. He's going to be bringing uh, the second part. Uh, it's actually the first official I am statement in John chapter 6. I am the bread of life, Jesus declares. Would you pr- stretch your hands out with me as we pray for Brandon as he brings God's word to us today. Lord, thank you so much for this vessel this faithful brother who serves your house, who serves your people, who serves others in the community. And today, Lord, I thank you that you've put this word on his heart, that you've brought forth revelation and shined your light on it. Today, I pray that you would just give him peace and assurance as he opens his mouth. You will fill his mouth with your words, and they will be words of life. They will be words that we need to hear, and they will be words, O Lord, that can change our life. And we thank you for that, Lord. Anoint him now for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, that was a good prayer. I think I'm ready now. I, I wasn't until, until then. How are you all? We're good. Summer off to a good start. It's not 105 degrees yet, so it's good for me so far. It was going by fast, gang. Yeah, it's going to be, well, I'm not going to say it's going to be over before we know it, because we're going to take it slow. We're going to take our time. We're going to enjoy it. Well, gang, I only have 15 pages of notes to get through today, so buckle your seatbelts. I'm kidding. It's a little bit less than that, but I do need my notes. I'm not as seasoned as Pastor Jeremy, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some notes today. Always exciting to get to share the word uh, with you all. Um, obviously, it's benefited my life so much, and to have the honor of handling God's word and and, and sharing some ideas. And uh, I hope that it's encouraging today. I hope that it's helpful to you all. It's been helpful to me every time I do this. Um, man, I think I'm I'm really preaching to myself and learning myself. So I, I'm actually preaching to me as well. So. It's been helpful to me, so I think it should be helpful to you guys, too. Um, As Jeremy said, we are in the I Am series, and today um, it's so important because of what Jeremy said last week. If you caught last week's week's message, we could almost kind of sum a lot of it up in this one statement. Who we believe that Jesus is will make who we become. Amen. Everything pivots. On that, so what a good series to be starting off the summer to be able to look at. What did who did Jesus say that he was? We're going straight to the source, and today our I am statement comes out of John chapter six, verse thirty-five. Excuse me. And Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life." Anybody like some bread in here? Uh, Amen. We got some hands raised. Listen, I want to give this disclaimer. If you are on the keto diet, um, nothing personal. We're going to talk about a lot of bread today, a lot of bread references. Uh, But you stick with your your health plan. I couldn't do it. You're stronger than me. I love me some bread, any kind of carbs. Hook me up. 
and evidently Jesus did too. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be hearing about some bread today. So hang in there with us. Stay strong if you're on the keto diet. So this is a short, simple phrase today with a whole lot of meaning packed inside. Uh, so let's tear into some bread of the word and unpack it a bit today. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray. We've prayed a lot already, but I need to pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity today. Thank you for your word, which brings life to, uh, to us who hear it and receive it. And I pray today that uh, your words would be in my mouth, that, that um, people wouldn't see me and what I have to say, but what you are trying to say to us would come out. Uh, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we got our, we got our statement. I am the bread of life. Let's back up and go to one, rewind to one day before, the, the, the one day prior to Jesus making this statement and get a little backstory here. So you all likely know the story. There's over 5,000 people gathered near the Sea of Galilee to hear Jesus speak and to see him perform miracles and heal the sick. Now that's a lot of people. That's, there's over there's five thousand men and then there's women and children as well so over five grand of people and here's what happens it's been a long day it's been a lot of traveling a lot of walking and they're getting hungry and you don't want a crowd of over five thousand to get hangry right not a good situation so what happens one of the disciples comes and says well we don't have any food but this boy has. I think it was five loaves of bread and two fish. But what is this? And Jesus takes that meal there, and he blesses it. He multiplies it. And they end up feeding everyone in the crowd, and everyone gets their fill. And they have enough that they have leftovers. They actually go around and pick up the leftovers. So it's this awesome miracle. And after this, the people are so pumped up. I mean, they are like blown away. And this, this bread was so good. And this fish was so good. And so they're so pumped up. Let's hear their response in John 6 verses 14 to 15. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, whoa, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, what just happened here? You know, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, man, this is going great. I mean, Jesus is doing all these miracles and all these people are here. I mean, he's at the height of his popularity and the people are so pumped up that they want to make him king. Sounds like a good thing, right? I mean, I'm like, these people are really into you, Jesus. Like, why'd you slip away? So what is that? That made me do a double take. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, if we really think about this, the people, they had their own impression of who Jesus was, right? Now, they saw him as a prophet, a prophet, right? Uh, they, they weren't seeing him as the Messiah, as a savior. They wanted to make him an earthly king. They had their own ambition, about what he should do. Okay, let's take him now and make him king. You know, crowds, you all know that group think mentality. You know, somebody has an idea, somebody else runs with it, and we all, the energy of the group just, that's what happened here. So they had their own ambitions. And, you know, it's easy to judge these people now 
looking back, because we've got the whole story, right? We, we know how the rest of the story goes, and we know who Jesus is. And, but really, though, I can get kind of caught in this same kind of thinking. You know, I can have my own ideas about who God is and who he should be and how he should be responding to my situation, right? I want my prayer answered today. You know, I want that money to come in yesterday. You know, I want uh, to be comfortable. I want things to go a certain way. And, and so really, I mean, I guess I'm not that much better than these folks because I'm thinking, uh, yeah, here's how I want my God to act and be. Uh, I want him to kind of serve my purpose when really it's the other way around, right? I need to be submitting to his purpose, amen? So we can get in this same mindset. So instead of letting the crowd take him by force, Jesus slips away as he was prone to doing and got some time alone. Good lesson there. That's a whole other sermon. He's not after hype. He's not after popularity. He doesn't want fans. He wants followers. And if you think about that, there's a big difference there, right? As if anybody football fans or basketball fans, NBA finals going on right now. Any Nuggets fans? Heat, no. <laughs> Heat, Miami Heat, Chicken Nuggets, okay. Um, NBA Finals are going on right now. There's a lot of fans gathered, right? And they are cheering, and they are, you know, painting their faces and wearing the big hands and spending all the money on the tickets. I mean, they're going all out just like these people were, right? They, they followed them all the way out there, and they're so pumped up they want to make them king. So if fans can get really riled up, but then when the team's not really doing so great, when things don't look so great, right, then they aren't always at those games, aren't willing to spend that money on those tickets, right? Unless you're diehard, right? Some of y'all are diehards, I know. You're followers, okay? But it's the same thing with Jesus, right? He, he doesn't want mere fans or mere spectators. He wants followers, participants in his gospel and his kingdom. So the next day, so well, here's what happens next. Jesus, you know, he slipped away. And uh, disciples go on over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus told them to go on over. They take some boats over. And this is where Jesus walks on the water in the middle of the night. He comes over and freaks the disciples out because they see him. And they're like, it's a ghost, you know. That would be pretty, pretty freaky. Um, but he calms. He's like, no, it's me. It's cool. But they all get over to the other side. And the next day, the 5,000 people, they wake up. And guess what? They're hungry again, right? And I'm, I'm a breakfast guy, so I, I, can, I understand. I love me some breakfast. I could eat at any meal of the day. But they're hungry. They're ready for breakfast. And so they come looking for Jesus, and they find him on the other side. And they're like, hey, where, you know, when did you get here? And I'm still, I'm thinking, man, these, guys, these people are still coming after Jesus. Like this is, I'm thinking this is good. But here's what Jesus says to them in John six twenty six. Let's check this out. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I think that word truly, truly is kind of like for real. You know, like that's, that's how we say it now. But back then it was like truly. <laughs> like listen, this is important. I say to you that you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate some of the loaves and were filled. Right? So basically, um, the people had a good meal. They're ready for another. 
right? They're really after him for more bread, okay? More fish, maybe even. And so, you know, I just love the way Jesus responds to people because when we look at that, it's like, man, that's, that's not how I would have responded. Man, I, you know, it, it tells me something about myself because I'd be like, man, we've got like two, twice as many people here for this potluck dinner. This is great, you know? But Jesus was, again, he's after followers, and he's like, you need to really seek me for the right reasons. We're going to get into that. So here's what the people do. You know, Jesus goes on. He's talking about, um, you know, the bread of life. Bread of life. He's talking about all these conversation back and forth with the people. They're asking him questions. He's giving them really potent answers. And, he's, and they're like, what do we have to do, you know, to do the works of God? And he said, you need to, basically, he's like, you need to believe. You need to believe in me. And so here's what they say. Uh, what sign, what sign do you perform that we may believe? Oh, my gosh. They, Jesus, stay with me. Jesus already has been healing the sick, right, the day before and probably many days before that. They've already seen all that. He fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, right? They were filled. They were like, man, this is awesome. He walks on water, and they realize that when he's over at the other side with no boat, and they're like, how did, oh my gosh. And yet here still, they're saying, well, what sign are you going to perform? Like, that's not enough, you know? Man. This is a picture of the human condition. There's this thing within each of us that never seems to be satisfied. Right, we're going to broaden this out a little bit. This thing that, have you ever felt like that? Like, there's some things that we kind of fill ourselves with is just not enough. And there's this thing that in, within me that's still craving, still desiring. We want a nicer car. We want a nicer house. We want the newest tech. Anybody going to get that? Apple Pro Vision, Apple Vision Pro. Look it up. Wow. Uh, we're rarely satisfied with ourselves either, right? Maybe our appearance or our performance or abilities, things like that. There's something within us that tends to lean towards dis, being dissatisfied. It turns out this very thing within us that's doing that is it's, it's our soul. Now, now, follow me. Our, it's, our, it's the nature of your soul to need. The Hebrew word for soul, I can try to pronounce this right, nafesh, nafesh, is described as longing or wanting, desiring or striving. One biblical definition of the word for soul is the seat of the appetites the seat of the appetites or the center, right? Late Christian philosopher Dallas Willard described it this way, you are a soul made by God, made for God, and made to need God, which means you were not made to be self-sufficient. And because sin, end quote, because sin cuts us off from our connection to God, our nature within our souls, to crave and to desire often leads us to fill up with things that don't really satisfy, keeping us caught in a vicious cycle. Our flesh and our sinful nature want a shortcut 
a quick fix for the soul's constant craving. But you can never get enough of something that almost works. I'll say that again. You can never get enough of something that almost works. This even is the root of addictions. It's the root of discontentment. We crave pleasure, but God wants to bring us peace, like Pastor Jamie was just talking about, peace that passes understanding. We want to be full, but God wants our, us to be satisfied in our souls. We crave praise. Feels good, right, to have someone praise you? But God gives grace to the humble. And in fact, he wants us to be givers of praise, right? Praising him. We crave control. But God says freedom comes through surrender. We crave gratification. And instant gratification, right? If, if, if Chick-fil-A is running a bit slow, which that's, honestly they never are. How do they do that? But if they're running a bit slow, man, I'm like, man, what is taking so long? Or, or if my internet is going slow. I'm like, it reminds me of dial-up. And I'm like, we are so far past this, guys. Like, come on, you know. But it's, you know, we want, we want what we want, and we want it now. Uh, we want gratification, but, but God, God's plan is for us to develop patience. That's a dirty word, patience. Uh, we want strength, right? But God's strength is perfected in our weaknesses. So the unlimited desire, ability to crave within our souls, is actually intended to point us to God and His unlimited ability to give. We're never going to out-desire God or out-crave God. He's always going to be enough for you. Think about these scriptures in Isaiah 26, verse 9. He writes, At night my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. That soul's craving for God. And Psalms 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And on that note, I'm, I'm getting thirsty. It's hard to do with the microphone. Now listen. <clears throat> okay. Not gonna fit. Listen, I, um, I've never seen a deer up close enough to see a deer panting. For, for water. Maybe some of our deer hunters have, have been that close. Um, but I have a um, giant dog. Uh, he's in Newfoundland. He's 150 pounds. And let me tell you, that dog can pant for some water. I mean, like tongue hanging out the side of his mouth, you know, especially in the summertime. He's got this big fur coat, you know, he gets hot. And his water bowl, guys, is a crock pot. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, we had this old crock pot that went out on us. And here we had this giant dog, and we were constantly filling up his water bowl. I mean, it was a chore, man. And sometimes he'd knock it over, too, because he'd, like, want to get in it. And so I took that big ceramic bowl that's inside of a crock pot, and, and that's his water bowl. If you come to my house, you'll see it. 
and it is a big old bowl of water. And uh, that's so much better now that we got that. But he can, man, he can get into that thing and just, you, th- you think, man, like, he's a camel. Like, it's, where's this water going? Like, he drinks a lot of water. So for me, when I see this verse, I'm like, as the new fee pants for the water bowl, so my soul pants for you, God. And I can relate to that. So uh, maybe you have an illustration like that in your own life. Uh, but there's something about being thirsty, right? And we look at this language in these verses. My soul longs for you. My spirit seeks you uh, as the deer pants for the water. My soul thirsts for God. Look at that language. Like this is talking about your soul and the intent of our soul to be connected and satisfied with, with God. You know, we were designed for that. We were created walking with God in the garden, right? And, and being cut off from that, there's still, that's still in us, folks. You know, it still pants and longs for God. So nothing will fulfill us like that personal relationship with Jesus and having godly values guide our lives. So let's go back to our text. Let's go back to that crowd of, of 5,000 people. We've established why they're still kind of like, hey, show us more, give us more, give us more bread. You know, what are you going to do now? Um, because there's this part that's craving, but they're aiming it at the wrong things, right? They want this natural bread because they, they're hungry for breakfast, and Jesus is trying to give them something better, and they're just not hearing it. So if we return to John chapter 6, um, they're questioning and asking for another sign and uh, fixated on that bread. And uh, Jesus says to them, there's our, our main verse today, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Suddenly, Jesus was the only thing on the menu. All right, and all this other stuff is take, it's stripped away, and it's just he's saying, look, I am. I am the bread of life. And the people have a choice to make. Are they going to receive him? Are they going to believe in him? Or are they not? This whole analogy of Jesus as the bread of life reflects how personal this walk with the Lord really is. It's not a set of religious rules to follow, but it's something that you consume. It's a truth that takes hold deep in your heart and becomes a part of you. That's what Jesus is really after. Or like he said in John 15, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Right? There's an abiding. There's an indwelling. And that's what he brought us in this new covenant. Unfortunately, the people in, the, in our story, just to round, round that up so I'm not leaving you on a cliffhanger, um, a lot of them, so, well, Jesus goes on to say, some really kind of kind of some hard sayings. That's where he starts talking about uh, if you uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know, talking about uh, really again receiving him and his spirit, and and we think of that when we take communion, right? It's he was he was showing that he, what he was about to do with his sacrifice, and the people were looking at it with natural eyes. They were looking at it with that carnal spirit. Still after that bread, just give me some bread. And they didn't really hear, you know, the depth of what he was trying to say. And so, and this is interesting, it's actually John, it's not in the list, so guys don't worry about it, but it's actually John 6, verse 66, right? 
And it says that a lot of his followers left him that day. When he said that, again, he, he, wanted, he didn't want just fans. He wanted them to be true followers. And they, they just didn't receive this hard, difficult saying at that time. Maybe some of them later on came back around. Um, but a great number of, of them left. So, back to our message today. We have centered in on what Jesus is saying, that he satisfies And I want to touch on a few other ideas about what helps our souls to flourish. First of all, we've established that it's about a relationship with Jesus. And our next point is when we fill up with the right things. Now, a lot of you are parents, right? Um, My little guy, Finn, uh, you all can relate to this. Dinner will be will be about ready, and my wife will be about ready to make dinner, or maybe she's in the middle of it, and he's like, "I'm hungry," uh, can I, and he's wanting to get a snack, right? He's wanting to get some strawberry milk, or he's wanting to get some crackers, or some fruit snacks, or right, like he just can't hardly wait any longer. And I know that if he eats this stuff, right, you know what's going to happen. He's going to sit at dinner and kind of poke around at his food, and he's not really going to eat too much, right? And that's what happens with us, right? When we fill up on other things, when we fill up on the things of the world, when we fill up on the things that we're after, that maybe Jesus, you know, isn't in, uh, there's not as much room for, for the Lord. And I'm not as hungry. I'm not thirsting for the Lord. But again, I got this thing that kind of almost satisfies, but not quite. And so I'm never truly going to be satisfied. But But when we turn away from those things, it's not enough just to turn away. We need to turn towards something. And Matthew stated in, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, or sorry, Jesus stated in Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. There it is again. Hungering, thirsting for righteousness. Relationships grow as we spend time together, talk, and listen to one another. So we engage in prayer. We, we study God's Word. We worship. Uh, we foster a closer walk with Him. And we're filling up with, when we do that, we're filling up with things that satisfy. And we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We invest in God's ideas. Uh, what's His way of doing relationships? What's His way uh, in how I work? wherever it is. What's his way of managing my health? What's his way of managing money and time, being a steward? What's his way to manage a family? Uh, when we start to invest in these things, you know, we're filling our souls with uh, things that actually make us flourish and grow. In his book, uh, Soul Keeping, uh, author John Ortberg reminds us of this. You, you are not the center of the universe. That took me back a notch. You are not the master of your fate. You are not the captain of your ship. There is a God, and you aren't him. True freedom comes when you embrace God's overall design for the world and your place in it. Amen. So, fill up on the right things. Next, practice contentment. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes this. Not that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with a little. 
probably a lot of us can identify that. We're like, oh, I know that too well. I'm ready for the other side. Um, and I also know how to live in prosperity. It didn't go to his head. It didn't make him too comfortable. He knew how to navigate those things. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And here's the secret. And we take this verse out of context a lot, but who knew this was the context, right? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret of contentment. Look, complacency is refusing to do the work to grow and settling for less than God's will. That's not good for the soul. But contentment is being at peace with what you have and with who you are because God is enough. With contentment, there's happiness and satisfaction while also knowing that there's room for growth. Right? It's a progression. It's a process. Also got to say, it's so easy to get caught up with comparisons, right? Especially with social media. I mean, we see folks on there and we see what they have. We see what they're doing. We see that, that they look so happy. And it's easy to think, man, everybody's doing better in life than I am. I've had several people that I've talked to have said, I just really should be farther along in my life right now than I am. And they're probably most likely, in most of those cases, looking around at everybody around them instead of really just being where they're at and trying to grow where they're at, where they're planted. And so, man, we can get caught up in this comparison trap. But in reality, human life has a wide range of emotions, right? Just because somebody's cheesing it up on social media doesn't mean they're happier than you. It's normal to have a wide range of emotions. Happy actually isn't normal. <laughs> As a, you know, nobody's happy all the time, right? Um, so we all experience good times and hard times. Our culture around us is geared towards making us discontent as well. Advertising targets our insecurities, and it sells us the lie that you'll be happy when you buy this product. Uh, it's time... At times, it's hard to fight this fight, this fight and, and uh, this current that says you need bigger and better. And there's such a humble prayer that I just have to share in Proverbs chapter 30. I'm not sure who the writer was for this, but here's what he said. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. I guess I've got to quit praying to win the lottery. I don't ever play, so it'd be quite the miracle for me to win. Um, feed me with the food that is my portion. Isn't that contentment, guys? Like, this is my portion that the Lord has given me. I have what I need. So why? So that I will not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And that I will not become impoverished and steal and profane the name of my God. Feed me with food that is my portion. And you know, folks, when I'm more content, I'm more, I feel more at peace. I'm happier. And I'm generally more pleasant to be around. Ask my wife. But when I'm discontent, I'm, I'm rather miserable and miserable to, to be around. Does something good for the soul to practice contentment. Lastly, I want to, and this isn't an exhaustive list, folks. It's just a few points. But lastly, I want to talk about rest. Um, 
this was one of the most convicting parts of this message for me, and I wanted to shy away from it. I originally was going to go a different direction, and then when I landed on this, I was like, mm, no, yeah, okay. I realized that I need to share this, if it's that convicting, right? The soul needs rest. I'm going to read you all, because I think I can do capture it better. I'm going to read you all a story about rest from the book, Soul Keeping. If you don't have it, great book. I recommend it. Pastor Jeremy landed that book on me. Thank you. The American devotional writer, Letty Kalman, wrote about a traveler visiting Africa and engaging a group of carriers and guides. Hoping to make her journey a swift one, she was pleased with the progress of the many miles that they covered that first day. On the second day, though, all the carriers she had hired remained seated and refused to move. She was greatly frustrated and asked the leader of her hired hands why they would not continue the journey. He told her that on the first day, they had traveled too far too fast. And now they were waiting for their souls to catch up to their bodies. Kalman reflects, this whirling, rushing life, which so many of us live, does for us what the first march did for those poor jungle tribesmen. The difference? They knew what they needed to restore life's balance, and too often, we do not. Can you relate? I sure can. So God knew that our souls need rest so well that he put this in his top ten. He said, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And what's the Sabbath? It's a day of rest. Holy means it's set apart unto God. So he knew it so well that he even rested, just to give us an example. And he says, keep a Sabbath. We need rest. He knows better than we do that our bodies, our minds, our souls need time. To recharge. Now, I'm pretty uh, familiar with physical fatigue. Like, I know when I've pushed myself too far, usually my back gets to aching. You know, I'm moving slow. Maybe I have a headache. And sometimes I get a migraine. It's like, that's like, I always feel like that's God's way of saying, time to slow down, right? Because <laughs> I have to slow down. And, and we're, we're all familiar with being tired at the end of the day. And it's like, okay, it's time to rest, right? But what if we started to notice when our souls were fatigued? What if we started to slow down and let our souls catch up to our bodies? What a difference it would make. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your your souls. There it is again. There's that word. You will find rest for your souls. And our rest is found in Jesus. Set apart some time to rest, folks. Some time for solitude. Some time to be free from distraction and noise. And your soul will thank you for it. <clears throat> One of the for- first times I was kind of pushed to like formally do this 
uh, I was working at Union in the counseling department, Union University, and our um, our team took a, a silent retreat. And if you know me, I'm a talker, so silent retreat. I was nervous. I really was, guys. And um, it was a whole day out at a Christian um, resort kind of center, or you know, what do they call it? Retreat center. And we had a quick devotional, and then we went apart. We all went our own ways on the campus there of that retreat center. And I really was. I was like, I don't know what to expect. I, I think I, I might fall asleep. I might get restless. You know, phones are off, right? No distractions. And I'm telling you guys, it did my soul some good. That afterwards, I was like craving for when I could do that again. And I had good intentions. I thought, I'm going to go back sometime just on my own free will. And I never did. But I did go back, you know, the next time we did it as a, as a team. And again, such an, a, a getaway. You know, my soul caught up with my body those days. And it really did me some good. So you could do that. If you, you know, if you're like me, it kind of took like really physically getting away from those distractions. If you're a mom, I know uh, from talking to a lot of moms and talking to my wife that y'all have that mom guilt and it's like I, I can't sit down because there's so much that needs to be done. Maybe you need to get a day away or a half day, whatever you, or an hour, whatever you feel is doable to be silent, to be quiet, to be alone with God and let your souls catch up. Amen. Whatever's doable, whatever's a starting point, go with it. So, folks, to close out today, we've covered a lot of ground. We've done some thinking about our souls. And I hope that it challenges us to maybe do things a little bit differently, maybe to put our focus into some other areas today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for for giving yourself to us, the bread of life, the bread that sustains, the bread that satisfies and gives life both now and eternally. May we be hungry for more of you, and may we have less of an appetite for the things of this world. Father, forgive us for where we have tried to short-circuit and short-cut the truth and fill ourselves with things that, that just don't satisfy and things that actually disconnect us from you. I pray this present culture would no longer pull the wool over our eyes and blind us to these truths. And Lord, if anyone listening to this message today doesn't know you personally, I pray you draw them in and help them to open their hearts to taste and see that the Lord is good. And if that's you today, right now, you can take the life-changing step of asking Jesus to forgive your sins, and he will. He will not turn you away. He will not reject you. And, and ask him to come into your heart today. And for the rest of us, may we just ask God to cultivate within us a thirst and a hunger for him. In Jesus' name, amen.